Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we are continuing our sermon series, Downcast, looking at Psalm 42 and the topic of depression. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Odium and Church Crookham, and we'd love to have you join us over there. So we're looking at our final section of Psalm 42. Uh, so have it open in your Bibles, if you like, and uh, we're going to refer to a number of the verses as we go through. We obviously have read it a few times. But listen, first of all, let me do a, uh, a survey. I love to do scales of one to 10. Anyone who comes to hashtag Bants will know this is my favorite activity on a scale of one to 10, where one is super sad and 10 is ultra happy and five is somewhere in the middle. Let's have a look at what makes you sad and happy. First of all, how about if you have to tidy up? What do you think? Hmm. Well, actually, I quite enjoy tidying up, to be honest. I'll put a nine there. But uh, no, uh, others here are shaking their heads. Okay, what about not being able to see your, your friends after school or work or go to the pub or, or go to the play, be with your friends? That's really sad, isn't it? For me, that's got to be a one. What about walking to your favorite place. Fantastic. I love walking, don't you? Yes, okay. Uh, what about not having enough money to buy something that you really want? Oh no, that's just really tough, isn't it? Okay, what about not being able to go clothes shopping? Now, the room is divided in half at this point. There are some of you who are devastated about that. It's a one. Some of you who are so pleased that you don't have to go through that ritual. It's a 10. Okay, what about watching a movie with, your, with a tasty snack? Definitely a 10 for me. How about not being able to go to church in person? Tragic, sad, it will be over, but it's really hard, isn't it? Okay, what about putting on your favorite song and turning the volume up? I mean, that's just absolutely fantastic fun. Okay, is that it? One more thing, how about no big events? You know, festivals, New Day, park run, concerts, sporting events, not being able to go to those things. That's really sad, isn't it? Do you know, the psalmist in Psalm 42 knew what it was to be both happy and sad, but certainly he was very downcast. He says in verse one and two, how dry he is as the deer pants for water. So my soul thirsts for you. He is thirsty. He's desperate. He feels in verse three, like he's on the verge of tears. In verse 4, we read how he's desperately missing being able to be with everyone at the worship meeting. He looks back and re remembers those days of worshipping with the assembly. In verse 7, we see that he feels just overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the waves that are crashing one on top of the other, disorientating him. He's feeling overwhelmed. And in verse 8, we read how he feels that he's been forgotten by God, by his friends. No one really understands what he is going through. And so in verse 11, he finishes, Why so downcast, my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? He's feeling very low. There was a guy called William Cooper who wrote a poem in 1799. I'm going to refer to Cowper later on in this talk, but he wrote a ballad 
Um, the, this poem was the account of a crewman who was washed overboard during a storm, and it's in his poem, Castaway. And one of the lines says this, as this guy is drowning, and the boat is disappearing into the distance, and it says, no voice divine, the storm allayed, no light propitious shone. When snatched from all effectual aid, we perished each alone. But I, beneath a rougher sea, and whelmed in deeper gulfs than he. You feel the pathos of that poem. There's a website that I'd like to encourage you to have a look at. It's called Mind and Soul Foundation, and here it is. And there is a, a doctor who uh, speaks and gives resources, and she says this, Dr. Kate Middleton, on this website, that there are three things, at least, that we all need for human flourishing. The first is positive emotions. The second is people. And the third is purpose. The three Ps for, for, for human flourishing. Now, let's face it, folks. We're missing probably at least one or two, if not all three, of those things at this time. Especially, I guess, people. You know, this week there was an article on the BBC speaking about a guy called Shane Cocker who said that he was having discussions with chairs in his lounge and he was thinking, they're not answering me. But Shane had lost his job, he was isolated, his mother had died, and he was describing the corrosive, creeping ache of lockdown loneliness. And he says, you don't want to admit that there's a problem, and then things just get worse and worse. You give up on everything. I literally just sat there talking to the furniture. I got scruffy. I got irritable. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't able to sleep. I was in denial about everything. Now, this problem is shared by millions of people during this pandemic. You know, as the nights get darker, as the lockdown continues, they've recorded, the Office of National Statistics have recorded that now, for the first time, more than four million people are in the category of always or often lonely. Levels of acute loneliness have reached record high as the clocks went back. Dr. Fancourt comments this, that everyone was in the same boat during the first lockdown. You know, and we were all out on the steps clapping the NHS and we all had kind of this energy. But now this second lockdown, the heroic phase has kind of passed and we're into a phase of disillusionment, which is made more difficult with the shorter nights and the longer days, or the, the other way around even. Um, now, those of you who are in warmer climes, lucky you. We so wish that we were in Australia or South Africa right now. But over here, it's dark and it's dingy. Uh, but uh, it's, it can be quite depressing. You know, here in this psalm that we read today, we read of dark clouds. But we also read of deep mercy. There's dark clouds, but there is deep mercy in this psalm as well. And one of the things that the psalmist does quite clearly here is he speaks to himself. He kind of 
takes himself in hand and says, now come on, soul, think about hope. He doesn't just sit there and stare at the furniture and feel sorry for himself and go and eat worms in the bottom of the garden and sulk and feel sad. He does something about his condition. He says, no, this is not good enough. There is hope. Come on, my soul. And he speaks to himself. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who wrote a book entitled Spiritual Depression, which I have, he says this, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take these thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing his self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He asks. My soul has been depressing him, crushing him. And so he stands up and he says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. We need to do that. That's what the psalmist does. And I want to just get practical today for a few minutes about what we can do to help ourselves to thrive during these times and steps that we can take. Now, you're all familiar with John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, aren't you? Uh, it was John Bunyan, wasn't it? I'm having it was. I had a sort of doubt of myself for a moment. It was John Bunyan, his Pilgrim's Progress story. And of course, in this, we have Christian traveling to the celestial city. And at one point, poor Christian gets caught in the slough of despond. That's not a town up near London. It's a place. It's the swamp of depression. And he's trapped in the muck and the mire. And no matter how hard he struggles, he cannot free himself. And eventually, someone called Help comes and pulls Christian out of the mud. And he says to him, but at times this marsh spews out a lot of filth. And in times of changing weather, the steps are hardly seen. Even if the steps are visible to a normal person, here's a, here a man's head often becomes so dizzy that he cannot see the steps. Then he stagger to one side and mires down in the slime. Nevertheless, the steps are there. Do you know, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. There are steps that we can take. Just one step at a time. If it just means in, in the day that you take one good step, but you do it consistently, that is the way to get across to the other side. Keep taking steps. The plod of God, as Malcolm Case often puts it. Just plodding, taking good steps. Now, let me just share with you quickly some steps that I think will help us during this time. The first is to look after yourself. Look after yourself. I spoke about this last time. I don't need to spend any time on it, but it's about good sleep hygiene. It's about having a growth mindset. It's about exercising. It's about having rest, having a day off, having a Sabbath rest. 
It's about taking your vitamin D, whatever. It's about going to the doctor. Too often we leave it too late to go to the doctor and we really should get ourselves checked out. I can remember a friend not that long ago who I met and they were really struggling with fatigue and tiredness. And as I was talking, and I'd like to say that this was God giving me insights, I don't know, but I started joking with them that maybe they needed some more iron, maybe they needed to eat some spinach and drink a pint of Guinness or something to give them some more iron. And lo and behold, that person went to the doctor, and guess what? They identified serious iron deficiency. And this person had a major infusion of iron through the blood and suddenly was bionic, had a new lease of life. God cares about us as whole people. And so the first thing to do is to look after yourself. The second thing that we can do is to look around for your friends and family. And let me say that that includes your church family. Look around for these people. I'll come back to this, but do you know we need friends at this time, people who will recharge our batteries rather than drain our batteries. Look around for your friends and family. The third thing that we can do is to look out for others. As we were hearing in the video today from Janice, there's nothing quite like sometimes forgetting yourself and thinking about other people. Praying about who you could help, not just for your own sake, but for their sake. And because that's what the gospel calls us to as well. But as we do, you know, we will find a fresh sense of purpose. That guy that I told you about who talked to furniture, he got involved with a ministry called Platform One, helping men with mental health issues uh, in a train coach station and helping them just with practical DIY stuff. And he found a sense of purpose and he's got his mojo back. Looking out for others. And the third, the fourth and the final thing that I want to say to you by way of uh, how we can thrive, what steps we can take during this time is to look up to God's. Look after yourself, look around for your friends and family, look out for others and look up to God. And that's what this psalmist does. Put your hope in God, he says to himself, for I will yet praise him. You know, in verse 7, he says, all your waves are coming over me. Joshua spoke about this last week, but the psalmist is reminding himself, yes, it feels overwhelming, but actually God is in control. These are his waves. You know, when others sin against us, they'll be held accountable for their actions and the pain they cause. But nevertheless, I can trust God that he is in control and he will work all things for good. In verse 8, I love this verse, don't you? The psalmist says, by day the Lord directs his love At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. You know, he finishes the psalm again by saying, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. We had a prophecy that someone shared with us this week, uh, and they sent it to me, and it goes as follows. This is just a season. 
As I was driving one blustery wet day last week, I saw all the colorful leaves falling from the trees, cascading to the ground, leaving bare, dull branches and revealing a cloudy gray sky behind. It felt just like the current situation. It seems like the color of our lives has fallen away and left us all, and all that remains is dull and bare. Anyone feel like that at any point? God reminded me of several truths that although we can't see it happening, inside each branch is life with buds just waiting to burst forth. Behind each gray cloud is blue sky and the sun. And as autumn and winter are each just a season with the promise of spring and summer to come, so this is just a season with color and hope to follow. It's just a season. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. He looks to God. Just like the Apostle Paul did. You know, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I am sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. In 2 Corinthians 4, he says, you know, we're hard pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I mentioned earlier on today about a guy called William Cowper. A, he was uh, one of England's greatest poem, poets. You know, he wrote, he changed the direction of 18th century nature poetry by writing of everyday life and scenes of the English countryside. He was the forerunner of romantic poetry for you literature scholars out there, and he was highly rated by Wordsworth and Coleridge alike. But William Cowper experienced repeated acute bouts of depression. He was admitted to a mental asylum. And the presiding doctor there was a Christian who presented the gospel to Cowper and often prayed for him. One day, upon reading the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead in John 11, God opened Cooper's eyes to the beauty of the grace offered him in the gospel. And this is what he wrote in his journal. Immediately, I received the strength to believe. You know, some of you need to hear this today. Some of you, God is going to give you the strength to believe. Perhaps for the first time, this gospel. He says, I received the strength to believe. And the full beams of the sun of righteousness shone, shone upon me. I saw the sufficiency of the atonement that he had made, my pardon sealed in his blood, and all the fullness and completeness of his justification. In a moment, I believed and received the gospel, my eyes filled with tears, my voice choked with transport. I could only look up to heaven in silent fear, overwhelmed with love and wonder. Cowper was wonderfully saved. He came to know Jesus as his saviour. 
Now, I would love to say to you that from that moment onwards, Cowper walked out of that asylum free from his struggle with depression, but he didn't. You know, I'd like to say this. God, I I would like to say rather, I'd love to say that God always just heals us of our mental illness issues, but he doesn't always do that. You know, in the same way that he doesn't always heal us of our physical ailments, when I became a Christian, my eyesight didn't suddenly get healed instantly. I've learned to live, you know, with, with that. And in the same way, sometimes there can be issues that we face emotionally or mentally, and we don't automatically necessarily get healed of those things. We might be, but we may not be. We may well not be. And we have to learn to live with these things and find the grace of God in these times. And that's what Cowper did. You know, he carried for the rest of his life battling with serious bouts of depression. And yet there were four key things at least that helped him. The first was church. He began attending church. And only as soon as he came out, he went to church. The second thing was friendship. He had a very close friendship with John Newton. Remember, pastor, of, uh, pastor and, and writer of Amazing Grace, ex-slave trader. Well, Newton was his friend. Newton stood with Cowper for years and years. Newton never abandoned Cowper, gave up on his friends, succumbed to his gloom and depression. Newton was always there for him. And that was the third thing that helped Cowper. They went for long walks in the countryside. Often, Newton and Cowper would walk together in the countryside, talking about church, talking about life. And this was deeply helpful to Cowper's soul. And the fourth and final thing that really helped Cowper was a sense of purpose. Newton suggested to Cowper that he should use his poetic skills to help him compile a book of hymns. And together, they wrote the only book of hymns. Cowper wrote 68 hymns in total. He immersed himself in the writing of these hymns. God moves in a mysterious way. There is a fountain filled with blood over a closer walk with God's. Cowper also joined with Newton in the abolitionist movement, and he wrote a poem called The Negro's Complaint, which was actually used by Martin Luther King during the 20th century civil rights movement. But Cowper learnt to live with who he was, but through church, through his friendship, through walks in the countryside, and through having a sense of purpose he was able to find the grace of God in his life. And I'll finish with the words of this wonderful hymn that he himself wrote. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, He treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. 
Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your heads. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that in the midst of dark clouds, there is deep mercy. We look to you, the giver of life right now. Our souls thirst for you in a dry and weary land. Lord, we long for you. We look to you. We ask you right now that you would come and fill us with faith and hope with the knowledge that you are sovereign, that you are with us, that you can help us, that you can give us steps to take. Right now as we're in prayer, maybe there's a step you know that you need to take that will help you. Maybe it's to, to have a proper day off. Maybe it is to reach out to a friend. Maybe it is just to stop and be with God. Oh God, we pray, help us. Help us, oh God, to know you more deeply during this time. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.